catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best-kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hey, 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 it's Theo J and welcome to The Motion, a debate podcast which sees two guests with conflicting opinions engage in an intellectual tug of war to sway my vote to their side of the motion. From music to society, culture to sports, the topic may vary from week to week, but one thing is always guaranteed. Your emotions will be set in motion. After season two's amazing two-part Battle of the Goat special, we had to bring it back again this year. Head-to-head debates never go out of style, and this season we are doing Battle of the Goats TV edition. If you're sensitive to spoilers, you might want to make sure you're up to date in Money Heist especially, Prison Break, This Is Us, and Grey's Anatomy. But we do try to tread lightly also. This episode, we have a balance of action and emotion. Money Heist versus Prison Break, followed by This Is Us versus Grey's Anatomy. First up, Money Heist versus Prison Break. Two objectively fantastic shows. This is a head-to-head between me and my younger brother, Yadu.ojo, a music producer who actually recommended both these shows to me. Though 16, he's got the best taste in TV I know, so I had to get him on. He maintains that Prison Break is the true GOAT, while I will be fighting for Money High. Michael Schofield is a hundred times the character of the professor. What, what clubs are you wearing? What clubs are you wearing? Uh, Raquel, Raquel, Sava. Come on, Michael Schofield, <laughs> blueprints on his back, tattooed. He lost a toe. His whole life was on the line the whole time. There's more at stake with Prison Break. What's the agenda of Money House? Prison Break, his brother is on death row. Do you really think you can beat that? Not only is it by the government, it's by a corrupt organisation which involves the President of the United States. No one thought they could ever beat that. And then Money House, it's like, what's the main agenda behind this? To take a stand. Okay, we're prisoners, we rob something, we're mad. It's unfair that they punished one of us for be- robbing a bank. Injustice in the world. And then everyone puts on the mask and starts protesting. Come on. Money heist, more realistic. It's more consistent. They actually kill the characters, which brings emotional value to the show. The characters don't die and then come back to life 30 seconds later. In terms of the villains, the villains are a lot more nuanced. It's not just good, bad. There's not an imaginary company. First thing I'm going to say is to immediately rebuttal your statement. Yeah, go on. You're talking about deaths being dragged out. This Nairobi sees her son get shot. Oh, wait, she's not dead. And then she's in a wheelchair. Is she going to die? We wait. And they actually kill her. How much worse did that make Nairobi's death? And secondly, it wasn't like they actually killed her off that we thought they were dead and they did her fake head in the, in the box. We saw her lying on a table. She very much could have died, holding us the whole season, gripping us. Is she going to make it? The fact that she made it just to be killed off again, that's emotional. Your head is going mad. Not for some unrealistic Michael to sacrifice himself at the end of season five, only to come back as some guy in some Turkish town. Forget the plot of season five. Character breakdown. 
You're going to answer these questions. Do you care about Rio? Yes or no? Do yes. you care about Rio? No, you don't. <laughs> you didn't last week. You're not going to tell me I don't care about the characters. The way Money Heist works, right? You do end up caring. Even when Oslo died, even though he was a bit irrelevant, because you feel their loss and you feel um, Helsinki is connected to it, it's really sad. The characters that you love, that you ride for, they're the ones that get killed. When Moscow died, when Nairobi, but... Prison Break, they're not brave enough to kill off the people who need to die. What are the odds that Link makes it, Sarah makes it, Michael makes it, through all those prisons? It's not realistic. It keeps you on edge. It keeps you on edge. That's the whole point of Prison Break. We finished it. Yeah, they don't die. But you're not going to say that them not dying made the show any worse. You can't tell me that you've watched Prison Break with confidence, knowing that character would be fine. It was always on edge. And Moscow's death, well, that's one of the most ridiculous deaths I've seen. He was going on about some woman he dropped off at a drugstore. <laughs> and then you're telling me that made you, that made you feel, oh, that's that irrelevant. hurts. It's different. It's Spanish. It's even more cultured. Money Heist can teach me Spanish. Cuidado. What if Claro. you watched it in dubbed? Who watches it dubbed? Well, people then you'll get an international flair. Secondly, you're saying it keeps you on edge. I'm not going to lie to you, my brother. Prison Break had me on edge season one. Like, I couldn't sleep. My heart was beating. Season two, yes. But by the time I was like, okay, Sarah didn't die from the drug overdose. Sarah didn't die when her head was cut off. Kellerman didn't die when he finally did the right thing and you think, okay, cool, he's had a heroic death. He didn't die. Michael didn't die when he stayed behind so they could blow it up and it was all part of the plan. So I was just thinking, if anybody dies, I'm pretty sure I'm going to see them in the next episode. I was no longer on the edge. Credit where credit's due. The start and the initiation of Prison Break is amazing. But to be a great show, you have to carry it on. You have to know when to end. That's why shows like This Is Us, they said at the start, we're going to do six seasons. Prison Break let the glory go to their head and they, they lost the plot, Yanu. Hmm. Michael somehow found T-Bag's long-lost son oh, in Turkey or Albania. How can season five be a filler when it's the it's, last thing that this, we see? Empire had a good season one, and look how they ended out. Like, you're only as good as your last game. And that right there is my issue with Prison Break. You, you're talking about it's not serious enough. His mother is an op. The guy's own mother is an op. And you find out that she's been behind this all along. The I, amount of deaths in Prison Break. Like, how did I even sit here and let you say that, oh, people come back? The amount of people they kill in Prison Break. Talk about character development. Brad Bellick. You, you see this guy is a fool in the first season, and then he becomes one of the most loved characters. That's how you handle sentimental value. Not by having some people put on some masks and like, we want to fight the system, it's not fair, free our real. No one gives a damn about real. And also, tea bag, tea bag. I have to pause you there, because I don't want to see the character development of a pervert and a paedophile. That's another oh, place where they just took it too far. Issues. How can you say we're not doing social issues? That there are lies to cross. You just need to know where a character cannot be developed. The teabag thing generally made me feel really uncomfortable. He was a disgusting character. I think they did it really well with Bellic, and I think they should have just known when to stop. And I think teabag was the line to stop at, and I stand by that. That's the perfect way to execute a villain. The psychoanalysis of Teabag is the root of how main villains have been bought, <laughs> made. If you're talking about villains, right, even Berlin, he was a... He was also a pervert? Yeah. He was a psycho. And he died. Berlin was a bad guy 
through and through. It became a lot more complicated than that he was related to Salva, but it didn't make him any more of a better guy. Altura, you can tell he's a bad guy, and they show his true character come out more and more. They go into the characters that they create. They don't just wishy-washy, wishy-washy it. The thing about Prison Break, you don't know who to trust. You cannot trust a single person. The police aren't the police. Mm, it could mm. be anyone. With Money Heist, you kind of know. You yeah. kind of know who's yeah. about what. Honestly, I think it's going to be said that they're both great shows. Mm-hmm. That in terms of, like, the way that the plot unfolds, even if we look at the fact that, like, Berlin and the Professor are brothers, that's not something you could have, you know, you could have seen. They weren't brothers. I think Money Heist, the way it unfolds is just so much better. The emotional value that's linked to literally right. stealing money. Some of the episodes have me, like, crying. Prison Break, yeah, it keeps you on edge. But that emotional connection in Money Heist is unmatched. And lastly, I just think the plot is just a lot more focused. It doesn't stray away from Money Heist. Yes, Prison Break in season three, they like broke out of the prison again. Prison Break, the overall plot, they keep going because they can't stop Money Heist. They robbed the bank. They were free. But this idiot fool, Rio, decides to use a telephone and they get caught. And then you know what they do? After one heist, they have another heist. Come on. Prison Break, they are constantly on the chase. They can't stop because they are not set free. And they're against the president. They're against a whole country. They can't stop. They don't make stupid decisions. They, they don't have a chance to walk away. Money heist, oh my gosh, it could have been done. How you know a good show is, could they have ended it at a certain season? Mm. Could Money Heist have ended it after season two? Yes, it could have, mm. but it carried on. If you look at back at Prison Break, Find a point where you think, okay, it could have ended. It couldn't. That point was solid. I'm going to have to shake your hand on that one. But I'm going to take my handshake back <laughs> because Prison Break could have ended after season two too. But he did not have to get arrested in Panama. I still think season three is quite underrated. They're in a Panama slaughterhouse. They are treated like animals. They are completely dehumanized. Done. All your flaws in Prison Break are there tenfold in Money Heist. We should delve in more on the Michael Scofield versus Professor. You want to delve in on a character. I want to delve in on a plot. And wanna, that's the difference between me delve and in, you. I just want to add. Like, the fact that Michael Schofield was able to, first of all, break out of a prison, which was, like, almost impossible to break out of, which is so hard. Breaking out of a prison is one thing, but actually maintaining yourself, having broken out of a prison, adapting to the life while you're on the run, is something that Michael Schofield is goaded for. He was actually out there, in the flesh of it. Most of the time, Professor was sitting down in his chair with his voice deep enough. Now, I know he plotted out things, but he wasn't actually out there. The only time he was out there was when he was trying to have love time with Raquel, the inspector. And, like, if we're going through more character development, everything is at stake for all of the characters, not just Schofield and his brother. See, no! All Sucre did was just get arrested for aggravated assault at a newsagent. We know. Stealing a baseball card. Haywire. That is one of the saddest deaths you'll ever see. Prison Break says. is so universal with all these different themes. Everything you're saying Money Heist has got, I can just think of off the dome. You've really wounded me there because that is one of the saddest deaths I've ever watched. Sometimes I'll be walking down the street and I'll just think about it. The fact that, that he so made sad. him jump off is so sad. But again, as I say that, I'm thinking of the person that made him do that. And how he's suddenly just a good guy later on. Oh. I can't deal. I need the characters to just stay on one side for once. The person that caused the most saddest death of Haywire, of Tweener. I'm now 
suddenly supposed to feel sorry for later down the line because That's there's this whole big this big bad wolf of the company. Nobody takes accountability because it's the company. They literally had his son and wife on auto snipe for the whole thing. That's why he did it. He's just a normal inspector. He wasn't a normal inspector. He he literally killed a guy and hid it in, in his garden. And even if I look back at how at how I watched them, prison rate when I started like. I had to watch episode, episode, I was up. Then suddenly it gets to Panama. I'm not even going to lie. I took like a three month break because I no longer cared. I was like, this show is ridiculous. That's just me being honest. And I watched them both pretty similar to each other. Okay, Money Heist started off slow, but once I got to about episode four, I couldn't take my foot off the pedal. It kept me going until the very, very, very end. Prison Break, season one, season two, I think I did it probably like a week. And then I literally waited three months to continue it because it got just very boring, very repetitive and very unrealistic. Well, I think that Prison Break is more of like a marathon while Money Heist is a 100 meter sprint. Even though it's a marathon, it's still fast paced because of the intensity of it. You need to take like a eight, let me take five. Money Heist is just like, oh, love, love, let me sprint through this. Yeah, characters, I love them. City names, come on. <laughs> I didn't take a break from Prison Break because it was so, so good though. I took a break because it was getting repetitive. And I actually really liked that point about a marathon and a 100 meter sprint. What I'll say of, about Prison Break, right, is that it might have been a, a marathon, but it definitely wasn't Mo Farah running the marathon because it, it didn't keep Fair it up enough. to the end. Fair yeah, enough. I get you. Money Heist, you know, it, it is a sprint. It's not, it's not as, you know, you don't get so much, but I actually think that works to its favour because I think it works to Prison Break's detriment. This Is Us versus Grey's Anatomy. Both shows have my heart and literally all of my emotions. To prepare myself for this debate, I watched a YouTube compilation of the most emotional scenes in both and it's fair to say I was a wreck by the end. I don't even know how I managed to compose myself and get myself together for this debate. I could not choose one side between This Is Us and Grey's Anatomy. So I will be representing both in the middle and on the side that This Is Us takes it home we've got Kirsty and on the side of Grey's we've got Kwehan. The reason why I'm writing so hard for This Is Us is because I am not someone that cries easily at shows or movies or anything like that. The first time I cried at a movie believe it or not was at the end of Infinity War when Spider-Man died. That's the only time that I've ever cried so the fact that I was regularly crying at every episode of This Is Us I was like this show I don't know what it's doing to me, but it's tugging on something. I think you have to be very detached to not cry at This Is Us. Like, you don't have to be a black adoptee in a, in a white family or, or have the same identity or experiences as these people. I am someone who cries at every single show I watch because I'm so in tune with my emotions. And the one show that hasn't allowed me to do so is This Is Us. Grey's Anatomy is a show about more than residents and surgeons. And it's just so beautiful to see that the people that you think are saving everyone's lives and are the most put together people are just like those of us watching the show. You feel like you are part of the family. You feel like you are transported to that operating room. Grey's Anatomy has been running for 17 seasons now. Grey's Anatomy is the longest running medical drama. As like a big, big fan of both. It's weird because when people insult This Is Us, it just cuts me deeper than when they insult Grey's Anatomy. I will also say that if I bring Shonda into this, I don't think Shonda wants us as watchers to be happy. She does a lot of messed up stuff. Happiness is genuinely not allowed. You're emotionally tense a lot of the time. You just don't know what's going to happen. But that's the thing. I feel like This Is Us provides healing. You're going to take me to the worst of I've ever been, but you're going to heal me in the next episode. Great. What kind of sick person kills the, like, the first love after your husband that's died? You kill 
someone's first love after that. That is the most sick thing I've ever seen in my life. Sick. Someone needs to explain it to me because that's not coming across as healing. As I said, Grey's Anatomy, honestly, I didn't want to bring it up. It gives me bad vibes and you guys are really, really proving it. Like, it's a bad vibe show. What the hell? Grey's Anatomy builds resilience and it just teaches you that life is real. No two days are going to be the same. There is no constant. And one thing I love about Grey's is there's always a voiceover at the beginning. Weird anecdotal or philosophical life lesson love is not always a thing your parents will not always be here there are things that will be out of your control and I think uh, Miranda Bailey's character is one of the perfect examples of that you think she's got everything together but then you go on a journey with her of like she's got OCD and she's got really bad anxiety and her mental health is is something that is explored so you follow her now and you see her like her breathing techniques and right now you're watching this you might have anxiety or you might be dealing with OCD tendencies but Miranda Bailey who is literally a badass, can do all of this, can run a hospital, can be a mother, can deal with miscarriage, can just deal with the, the daily life, the problems, but also still have happiness. I will say something where Grace takes the biscuit, right? This is us. There are some scenes that are just so boring, dull, mundane. Grace has humour on lock. Some of the random, like, injuries about a tree growing inside you or the person that was building a grenade and it starts off this like this funny thing until they realize that the grenade is still active and it's going to blow so you just go from like humor to like death <laughs> no that's funny but, like, but i think they do really well at like the philistines i think the philistines and this is us are quite poor at times i agree with you on that point but definitely be slow what you were saying about how like it has the voiceovers and the lessons. I think that's honestly why when I tried to watch it like years ago, I couldn't gravitate to it too much because I think one thing with This Is Us is that nothing needs to be explained to you. You take away the lessons that you want from it. Even the some people who, are, who might have the best relationships, there's a lot of complex things that can come up in families that you wouldn't even assume because they, they just appear as like a normal family. Everyone's relationships with everyone in your life holds very complex dynamics that it might come out it might never come out it might be something that you're aware of it might not be something that you're aware of that in itself teaches me a lot about my relationships with people in life because it's taught me to look beneath the surface because things are not simple cut as like you're my best friend or you're my sibling so we're always cool 24 7. i don't want you to philosophize life lessons to me like i just want to be here and be able to have my own like inference that's an interesting take i will say that something like this is us does is the depth of the writing so some of the words are just like so cutting you think when randall says to kevin dad died ashamed of you you think like how can they get further than saying your dad died ashamed of you and then when kevin says the worst day of my life is not when dad died, but when they brought you home. And you're just like, ah, you're not even like angry at Kevin at that point because Randall's not really been great. You're never really just rooting for like one character. It is very real. You understand where both of yeah. them are coming from. You don't think it's right, but you're not mad or you're not, the writers are not trying mm. to put you on anyone's side or on anyone's team. They're just trying to show you how sometimes these conversations come up and why people can say horrible things to each other. Me personally, I just really like that. I like that they just let us observe as opposed to like, positioning a character as our favourite or anything like There's that. There's definitely a lot more nuance. I don't think Grey's gives you a character to be your favourite character, except maybe attractive men. 
genuinely like, <laughs> they'll give you <laughs> McDreamy and McSteamy, Mark Sloan and Derek Shepard, but that's about it. It's not prescribed. So like when you hear Meredith doing a voiceover or like Richard Webber doing a voiceover, it's not prescribed. It's just kind of like a general takeaway you can take away from the episode. Actually, we'll be honest, I find that quite annoying sometimes, but I don't think it's prescriptive at all because even the things explored sometimes don't really relate to that but it's just a nice like here's a quote from someone but um I will say that Grey's Anatomy does do family in a way that is quite unorthodox also and I do Mm. love that like your intern group and, and who you're like residents with that's your family you see brothers and sisters and you see like Miranda as like the mum or Richard Webber as like the granddad slash father figure. You see real family also because like Meredith has a half sister that gets introduced halfway through. She has a very complex relationship with her father, a very, very complex relationship with her mother, the Ellis Gray. Family is not what we think family is going to be. And you think because Meredith has a mother and a sister and a father, those will be like her go-to people. But no, it becomes Alex Carell. Yeah. It becomes Amelia Shepherd. It becomes Richard Webber. It's heartwarming to see that like friendship is as valid and is as, mm. as important as family. And I think Grey's really, really shows that. I think the best thing about Grey's Anatomy, it has loads of spin-off shows and you have so many characters. So there is someone for everyone. And you just really relate regardless of sexuality, regardless of religion, regardless of race. Like there are just so many different things that make you attached to these people. There's a lot going on. We've got Grey's, we've got Station 19, we had private practice, but sometimes it gets a bit... I don't want to say too much, but there's like a lot of characters. I think something This Is Us does that gets me is when they make the most minor character and then he's the one making you cry. You see everyone because everyone gets seen. I know Grey's has a lot of characters, but I do think they're still like that main thing. A scene with Meredith is going to make you cry more than like a scene with like Levi, for example. I really disagree. Really? I think something that Grey's does is you root for the underdog and you've been rooting from the under- for the underdog since George O'Malley. And I think Levi reminds me so much of O'Malley. And Levi is one of the most like insignificant characters only because he doesn't have the surgical prowess. The latest episodes, he proved himself so much both as a surgeon and in his personal life. Grace always throws you these curveballs. And even if it's a random patient that comes in that's been impaled by a tree. <laughs> and Grace is so topical. Grace is so current and so up to date with what's going on in the world because you see what's going on around you reflected in the show in the most like special characters who come in for treatment. The reason why I believe that the writing must be superior, as if I said, they'll take a character, starts off the episode and it's basically just focusing on this random blind man that you have zero connection to. And you're like, how am I crying about this person that I only met this episode? And then they reveal who it is and then you're just gone. I think that is so hard to do, to be able to take one episode and okay, we're gonna step outside of the main people for a second, experience of being blind. And it wasn't that his blindness was like the defining factor of him. It's that he's going through very normal things that we all have to go through, like getting ready in the morning, meeting a girl. And the fact that they can do that in such short times throughout an episode, and by the end of the episode, you have this super strong attachment to this character. And then you find out that actually, oh, he's actually and somehow related to... I haven't seen a show be able to do that and be able to consistently make someone cry based on someone that you don't even have any prior knowledge to or connection to. Both shows are able to do this. I think Grey's through the patience that introduced someone random and This Is Us through flashbacks, the time travel. 
I will say, in the field of making us attached to people that we don't know, I have to give it to This Is Us. I think the nature of the storytelling allows that because it jumps back. Not everyone is relevant and sometimes people are. I think we can like go back and forth forever, but just to wrap up, I want you both to tell me the scene that like made you cry the most and then the scene that made you happiest. I think the scene that made me the saddest is one of the scenes to do with Christina, the miscarriage or abortion, um, and just mm. seeing Christina Yang like break down and really kind of unravel and seeing how love can be so tough. Christina is the person that Owen has loved the most. And I think also Owen is the person Christina's loved the most. Yet there were so many barriers for her to accept that she loves him. And there were so many things that were thrown at them that she just couldn't handle. And seeing him break down and seeing her break down and seeing them go downstairs to like the vent place where the air would like scream and they could be there like with each other, like in a space that was just theirs in the hospital and together. It just really just showed me that like so much can be worked through and can be overcome. And like even the strongest person is dealing with so much there needs to always be compassion and grace extended to people do you know what maybe it, it made me happy and sad at the same time but definitely the saddest scene for me was when randall's real dad william died and like when they were in the hospital even though you knew from the first time you met william that okay at one point he's gonna die it was just the moment that it came was just like horrible because it was like we just seen randall like have fun with his cousins and like really become in touch with his blackness his roots and then suddenly it was just so quickly cut short and then that whole like them in the hospital the william saying that most of his life has just been pain but that he knows that the beginning and the end of his life were surrounded by what the most important people to him or the people that he's loved the most and that being his mum in the beginning and then being randall at the end and also just like the same reason why i cried when, when spider-man was dying it was just like when william said that he was scared like he was actually scared to die even though he'd known this whole time that he had cancer the fact that like okay when you're on your deathbed you really are alone like because you're about to face something completely unknown i was just like heartbreaking to watch like a vulnerable old man feel so scared but be comforted by randall and that just like completion the one that made me cry the most from Grays actually is quite a rogue one it was when the black woman who was a victim of domestic violence and when joe had all the women doctors that one made me cry like, you know normally when you cry sometimes you have a build-up and you have the choke in your throat but that didn't exist i went straight to like bawling it was that was a lot and then with this is us on reflection really connected to the character of nikki but it was when the dome broke i cry at a lot of stuff to be honest and i just think i've been in situations where you're just trying to like get ahead like you're just trying to get along with your day the smallest thing like not finding the right sock could just set you off and seeing like the dome that he had like worked so hard off just break yeah it was a lot i just i just wanted to scream it's hard to think of immediately isn't it with the happy one i've got two one that's objectively kind of happy and one that's still a bit sad Christina Yang's like last episode when Meredith is reading the letter from her saying like don't let him eclipse you like you're the sun not him that was really happy because it was just like Christina's leaving but Christina's still here the whole you're my person is still real and Christina will always be there for her even though she's going to be halfway across the world another scene that's sad but happy is you know Jackson and April their relationship didn't make sense at the beginning but um when April got into a car crash a car accident and then you know she's very very religious like super super religious and Jackson's like no I'm an atheist and he literally like prays and he was just like please <laughs> I'm upset. <laughs> Okay, I'm okay. <laughs>
and he prays and he's just like like god please don't let her die like bring her and then soon after like she squeezes his hands or whatever and she, she lives and it was just like to see him partake in her like faith and her belief and really i'm like <laughs> sorry that was it was a really happy scene because she lived and he like accepted that god might I'm with you. I'm with you. Kirsten, do you want to go? <laughs> While Quayon recovers. Jeez, maybe I do need to watch Goes Back to Me. Now I can't say anything bad about the show. My happiest scene is when Jack, as in Kate and um, Toby's Jack, when he's able to suddenly recognise the light. Because up until that point, they obviously he's blind and they're like figuring out how to like deal with that and look after a disabled baby. And Kate's like so on it, she's like, going to classes and all these things and Toby's just having a really hard time and up until this point in the show Toby is like the one character who's basically been flawless like he's had no mistakes suddenly he's like actually a kind of an awful parent and you're sort of like you're meant to love your kid unconditionally and you're having why are you having trouble with the fact that your child's blind and like you're watching Toby just like having to badly adjust to having a disabled kid, all of these things that he's saying and you're kind of like not on his side and then out of nowhere, unexpected, the baby starts being able to recognise colour. Toby starts to realise like that certain things are not important, thinking that your child should be able to see and things like that, that's not important. Actually having a healthy baby is important and you can still have really magical moments with your child no matter what. Like Those are such beautiful scenes. I think I'm going to piggyback off um, Quayhan's one with a happy that there's both like happy and sadness in both the ones I'm about to mention. So Quayhan's one is when um Maggie brings April back to life and like everyone's like written her off and then obviously Maggie's with Jackson and April's like his ex and you wouldn't like expect to the fact that like Jackson's like just let it go like she's gone and then she sees that heart she just sees the small line and she she presses on and then with This Is Us I think when um, Madison is alone in the hospital and then Randall and Beth call her and she's like, no, I'm fine. And they, they just press on because I don't know when I see someone that's like at their lows and like they just I mean, she's just like my boyfriend's not going to see the like the birth of my things. I'm alone. She doesn't have much family. And just someone shows up, like someone shows up that you just don't expect. Almost like you're sadder than Madison is because she is very used to just being yes, alone in her life so she's right. just like yeah of course I'm gonna have these twins by myself that's just the way that my life goes and she's just sort of like yeah and she's just sort of accepted that that's her life and then when Randall and Beth show up because it's so random they don't have a relationship whatsoever but it's just it's just coming out of just pure love for the fact that you're having our brother's baby unconditional unspoken love there where it's like yeah no we're not gonna let this woman have a baby by herself that's all we have for you today part two we're going away from tv tv and into reality tv the real housewives we will be debating real housewives of atlanta versus real housewives of beverly hills unfortunately Porsche's crazy, shocking news was not out by the time we debated this, but there's still a lot of fire in the debate. And also Kenya versus Nini. The conversation does not stop here. Follow us on Instagram at TheMotion underscore. Tweet us your thoughts at TheMotionPod underscore. Send us an email, TheMotionPodcast at gmail.com and listen to our radio show every Sunday live on Wizard Radio from 5pm. Be blessed, stay safe and have a wonderful week.